Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and all my patron peeps, uh, uh, whether you're into Toto or you have a pup named Toto or you've ironically named your cat Toto or your fish, uh, I'm here with, uh, uh, I was trying to find something that rhymed with to- Toto foolishness uh, and fun and a lot of droning and walls and creaky dulcets. I'm here to uh, keep you company and I'm the podcaster you support, patrons. Uh, so thanks for doing so and let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, you know, routine, whatever's keeping you awake. I'm going to try to distract you from that. And the way I'm going to do it is I got this nice safe place set up for you. I've set the place. The place is set and I'm setting the place. And, uh, yeah, I'm smoothing it, I'm patting it, I'm rubbing it down, I'm saying safe place. And uh, what I propose to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, uh, you know, silly behavior. Yeah, I'll be behaving silly, silly, silly. Sillily. When was the last time we talked about silly string? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, ha, I don't know if I have talked. We'll, we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, in this show, there's no strings attached, uh, except for you know when I say, pretend I'm uh, our friend with the, uh, Pinocchio, and then I say, you know, I got no strings to hold me down. I don't know. In the context of a sleep podcast, I was tr- I was hoping a metaphor would make itself apparent, but I, you know. Uh, you know whether you're made of wood or you know uh, you you were uh, you're organic. Uh, you say Scoots wood is organic. Well, would you like to get a good night's sleep? Because I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, that's why I make this show. Now, if you're new, a couple things to know: it doesn't work for everybody, and it rare. So, for some people, it works on the first try. For majority of listeners, it takes two or three tries. Because of course, you're skeptical. And then, of course, you're you're approaching and you're saying, hmm, what is this? What is this person talking about? They were trying to make a point about Pinocchio. They're talking about Silly String. They kind of change it. They don't make a lot of sense. There's creaky dulcets and aforementioned pointless meanders. I think his vocabulary, it just needs some tuning. He has a vocabulary. But, but uh, I don't know if his usage of the vocabulary is. So yes, correct. Uh, welcome. So give it a few tries. See how it goes. Maybe if you're comfortable, uh, just kick back and observe, uh, you know, the podcast like the sky or like, a, you know, a, rough, a gently flowing river. You say, oh, I see that leaf there floating in the river. Oh, there was there's a bubble. Oh, yeah. Look at it flowing around that rock. Uh, huh. 
if if that's a way to consume it. But you could consume it however you wish. Just if you're new, just see how it goes. I really do want to help it, but and I wish this podcast worked for everybody. I mean, as a matter of fact, I wish for me and everyone else in the world, I could just do something as simply as say, hey, you really deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve to be treated with dignity and respect uh, all day long and at bedtime. You deserve some comforts. And now through a magical process, you know, that is just I'm going to count down from 10 and you'll be asleep. Uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one and then you'd be asleep. That would be excellent. It would say it would be efficient uh, for everyone involved. And uh, I guess I probably could. I guess it wouldn't be super efficient for me. Is the fact I would only have to do it once. But then you'd say, "Well, like uh, Scoots, we just that's it. We don't need to listen." I'd say, "Okay, well then I don't get to make my silly stories." Uh, but unfortunately, I found what I need at bedtime is a friend is some comfort, and I also need, like, even if it's not a bedtime routine, it's it's something to make bedtime feel good, or at least less of a rigmarole, less of a hassle, less serious. And that's my goal with the show, if you're new. And you see, you say, okay, okay, I get it now. Or say, well, I prefer something a little bit more, you know, whatever, you you could choose, uh, so that's uh, one thing. If you're new, structurally, what to expect. The show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the show free. Over 300, uh, 300 old episodes free. And uh, so that's uh, then there's the intro, which we're maybe halfway through. The intros are about 12 minutes of me trying to make a me- explain what the podcast is, make a metaphor about the podcast, go off topic, earn your trust. Uh, make you feel comfortable, maybe make you laugh or put a smile on your face. Uh, and it's a show within a show. Some people fall asleep during the intro. Lots of people just use it as their wind down or as they're getting ready for bed. Uh, some people skip the intros. More and more people I hear listen to the intro during the day or the whole show uh, because it's just part of They say, well, I need a break during the day. Uh, so however you use it, uh, the intro is kind of just a way, it's just a familiar friend uh, or a new friend, if, if you'd uh, consider that, uh, or a new associate. Let's just start there. Maybe I could apply to be your bore associate or your assistant borer, assistant to the borer. Okay, but the boring part of my brain just said assistant lawler, assistant to the lawler. Okay, okay, I'll, 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 I'll get those applications in. You know how I am with uh, getting paperwork done right away. Yeah, but I, I could. how about I assist you via lulls and boredom? So that's the intro. Uh, then there's some business tucked in between the intro and the show. Uh, then tonight we'll be talking about uh, The Good Place. What a good place to sleep. We'll be talking about episode four of The Good Place, but mostly in a way of saying, uh, hey, what was written on that chalkboard? Hmm. Who is, uh, you know, who is that person or what was it going on at that time? Or where do you purchase something like that? Uh, so kind of an indirect, uh, you know, here, here's the thing. A Good Place episode's, what, 23 minutes long? I'll be talking about the episode for about 44 minutes. 
now some of that will be facts that came up in the episode. But you see, you're talking about episode of Good Place, the Good Place in Halftime. I say about you know, it sounds about right. I mean, in fact, it's a little bit different because sometimes I'll pause it and then you know spend thirty minutes saying, "What does that say?" or "What is that up there?" What books are on that bookshelf? So that's what we'll do. It'll be very lulling and soothing and ideally comforting. Then we have some thank yous at the end. So that's a structure show. This is a podcast you don't need to listen to. You can. I'll be here for an hour to giving it my all to keep you company. But you don't have to listen. There's no pressure. Ideally, it's just distracting enough to take your mind off of stuff. Uh, but not so interesting that you got to say, well, I really need to hear about Scoots' thoughts about a Chidi's tie this week. Especially, you know, considering Scoots' fashion sense uh, or, you know, tie shape. Yeah, that's not something I may, I'll probably be talking about this week. But uh, at some point I may say, well, what about the shapes? Is that, is that some sort of subtextual? No, no, no. They, they just got a hold of me from my brain. They said, of course not. And I'd say, well, it is a layer of the show and the stories. It, it is important to me. Okay, well, we don't need to, to, to argue about this in front of the new list. Okay, you're right. Well, it's not an argument. I was just discussing. I was saying, uh, I like looking at, you know, how the characters are dressed. Oh, so do I. Like, when we, like, uh, there is, Eleanor has a lot of different uh, types of light on her shirts this season, or her, her, her outfits like lightning bolts and suns and moons, but I don't think it's universal. So kind of a theme, maybe, possibly. Okay, so that'll be the discussion of the good place. Uh, it, where, where, oh, where was I? I? I think I got lost in one of my own thoughts. Uh, I was explaining about the structure. Oh, how you don't need to listen to it. Okay, so yeah, clearly you can kind of listen to me. But if you need to listen, if you need a friend in the deep, dark night, I'm here. I'm here for a full 60 minutes. You could queue up another episode if you need it. If you can't sleep uh, and you just need a companion, uh, an assistant to the luller, I'll be here assisting with the lulls and the, the, the pointless meanders. Uh, so you don't need to listen, but there's also no pressure to fall asleep, kind of for the reasons I just said. I'm here to keep you company. You fall asleep when you're ready to, or as you drift off, just naturally, uh, slowly drift away. Uh, I think that's it. I guess I'll have to talk about Silly String another time, uh, because uh, like uh, it's like a, I think it's like seasonal thing, like around Halloween. I think parents just call it annoying, unless you're at a public park, and then public park people maintenance people say they say annoying string you should call it i mean maybe one day it'll be uh biodegradable or something or like new we'll say what's oh, filled with organic ingredients uh compost how, how about that silly compost string yeah you know see it's pasteurized uh it's a spray foam that sprays out in a string uh I don't know, like, the silly thing about it is you spray, that it sprays, it's in an aerosol-type can. And it is pretty silly, because most of the time people are chasing each other around, uh, spraying one another. I don't know if it's exactly caught. It is a little bit addictive. So you say, well, how much is a can? Well, you probably wait till like, two weeks after Halloween to see if you can get it for, like, 40 cents or something. 
but yeah, it's it's a, it's a product. Uh, see, for some reason, it's it's neon and stuff. But I think it normally, but people sell it around uh, Halloween, or I've always associated it with Halloween. You'd think New New Year's Eve would be the best time, but maybe we could get into like the harvest or the. What about as part of the spring season and the harvest season? Silly compost string. It's a silly string, but it's also compost, you know, made from compost. We could say, you know, just general, you know, it doesn't have to be that kind of compost. You know, newsprint and coffee grounds or something. And you can spray, go outside, spray it around. Farmers, would, you could, we could have, like, we could get into some druid-type action. You'd say, come to my fields and spray one another. With, you know, also, you got to buy it from me. So another revenue source for these farmers You'd say, have you gone you picking your blueberries or your apples? Uh, now it's uh, time, you know, now the you picking season's over. Uh, now it's time for uh, silly, the, 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 you know, the field spray. You know, we could, we'll think of a marketing thing for it. And people could just run, you know, you could charge one buck a can or whatever, 50 cents a can. You know, you also, you could do that seasonally. Start off five bucks a can at the height of the season, and as it winds down, keep lowering the price. Also, I have to get all of it for free, just so you know. And you could have people running around, and you could have, like, uh, yeah, spraying each other, one another, with a silly, you know, or, you know, just an idea. Uh, But hopefully tonight, uh, it's more of a mist, uh, a mist of uh, thoughts and friendly banter, uh, that you can drift into and slowly uh, slip away. So I'm here to help. Uh, I really appreciate you checking the show out and coming by. And I work very hard and I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Thanks uh, so much. And here's a few ways we keep the show uh, going. All right, so we're talking uh, season three, episode four, The Snowplow of the Good Place. It opens in a bathroom, into the bathroom, through the portal, come uh, Michael and Janet, right from last episode. It's a kind of a very deep indigo uh, blue, the walls. Uh, deeper on the second shot than the first shot. Uh, and let's see. Oh, the keys ring. They're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, because it went right from last episode. Almost the same. Not is a per- Janet's dress is purple, so walls are kind of a deep navy. I didn't use, think to use the two as a point of reference, but this time I am. Uh, Michael's keys ring, or the magic keys ring, which we'll find out are magic keys. Yeah, first, I thought the. Um, oh, wait a second. I'm just noticing. Uh, Got to pause it here. I'm just seeing. Uh, some of the things on the left wall of the bathroom. The announcements. There's one. Uh, Hey, I'm looking for this person. It's a drawing of a person in a turtleneck. Uh, there's also piano lessons, uh, something, screen, film screening. That one I can't quite make out. Uh, two different piano lesson flyers in green and yellow. But who is this person they're looking for in the uh, black turtleneck? I wonder. wonder if that's a hint or it's just there. Oh, but so the keys ring, not the keychain. It's the judge, Maya Rudolph. She's using her hands a lot again in different ways than the last episode. She's not happy. 
And Michael says, they try to pretend it's a bad cell phone signal. She says, it's a magical key, Dinky Poos. I know that it is perfect service. Then they get to work. They leave the restroom. It cuts to a whole empty floor. Michael says, "What's on? what was on this floor? Why is it empty? And Jan says, oh, it's a journalism floor. And Michael says, bad for the world, good for us. Uh, and uh, then they say, oh, this was expository, important expository information. They say there's no way to track point totals here up up, up uh, where we are, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, so, and uh, glow squeaky chin. Oh, uh, Eleanor has a glow squeaky, squeaky chin. Or as it really is, is Eleanor has a squeaky chair. Uh, which you can you gotta watch these episodes for the payoffs of the jokes. Uh, they've begun stage two of the study. Uh, chair. Oh, yeah. Uh, then uh, Jason kind of underlines uh, Eleanor's joke. Then it opens. Uh, yeah, chapter thirty. Jason really is uh, all, like uh, this episode. Uh, Man, he's crushing it. Uh, uh, let's see. Concepts uh, at right and wrong, conduct, truth, justice, beliefs. These are probably things from the um, chalkboard. Oh, yeah. Jason rules. This is one of the best jokes in all three seasons uh, with Cupcakes and Jason. So watch the episode. Uh, j- like, uh, There's just a couple high points for Jason in this uh but this was one of the high points in all three seasons for me. Yeah, just really, really funny. Uh, then they all say ventral medial prefrontal cortex. Uh, oh, Eleanor talks about how she avoids group uh, functions. Uh, Jaguars rule. Uh, then there's a couple of these. I don't know if this is a montage or or what do they call it, but it's like a, it shows time passing in four rectangles with four different uh, things. And it's something, you know, layover from the 60s, 70s gets used. It's fun. In the first four rectangles, the first on the left-hand corner is Cheaty Teaching. Below him is Eleanor uh, with a bandana and stuff uh, with wires. She's going, undergoing through something. Cheaty Shack continues to change from uh, Socrates to Plato to Aristotle. There's also a shot in the upper right corner of Tahani focusing on learning or something. And then the bottom right is just Simone studying, like, wavelengths on her computer. Uh, then it's three months later. Oh, also, okay, we're in the office. Uh, a lot of good details in this episode. So we're, we're, we're at the journalism office. Uh, Michael and Janet are working, and we see there's a lot of Post-its. Uh, so that's, like, already a payoff from how they're keeping score. Couldn't view all of them. But the ones I did view, uh, let's see, one has just cheaty, and then he has one, two, three, four, five, six check marks, marks, then a line down the middle, and then two. So I don't know if those were good check marks and bad check marks. Uh, this this says uh, sleepy, one says, and then I couldn't read the rest. Uh, Tahani dropping again. Like, oh boy, her score's dropping. Then there's another one with Cheaty with star, dash, a star, dash, a star. And then another line with a star. Uh, another thing says, Tahani looks in A. Then something, I put a question mark and then hash marks, uh, or hatch marks, they call them, 5, 10, 
15, 20, 25, 30, 35, uh, you know, four lines with a line through it. Uh, Jason mentions Jaguars. I didn't have, I didn't have the ability to count those, but there's lots of hash marks. Uh, and then there's a note Jana wrote, Jason is very, I would assume it's S-E-X-Y, and, but I couldn't see that word. I could only see a smiley face below it. Yeah, so there's a couple of things in the post office and the, uh, the, her post-its under her office. Eleanor needs a job. She also has a Thunderbolt uh, glitter shirt, which I think I mentioned in the intro. is like a, I don't know if her clothing is themed towards celestial bodies this season or just an occasional theme. But it, this episode, it, it is. Uh, but last, I said, oh, some of that embroidery that I didn't pay enough attention to scoots. Uh, then they go to a cafe lottery store. This is in Australia. And Michael kind of tells uh, uh, Janet about a snowplow uh, analogy. We're going to help uh, Eleanor drive along the road of improvement. Uh, and just so you know, the 186 from the bottom lottery ticket is a winning one. We cut to Eleanor. She has uh, won 18 grand. Another worthy reason, just as one moment after that, to, to watch the entire episode. There's so many gems in here. Uh, then Chidi has more stuff on the board. Belief in the soul, mortal, material, just like body, pleasurous purpose of life. Uh, animals try to avoid it as much you know, pain in the butts as possible. Oh, this must have been another series of four shots. Uh, because then we see Eleanor, she's kind of, I didn't have a chance to, she's in a garland head thing, uh, like a garland headband with antlers, uh, and she's eating, she's happy, very happy, participating in some group activity, yeah, and she has a fortune cookie. There's also holiday decorations up, just so everybody knows. Then uh, on the top right is the team eating Chinese takeout. Also on the bottom left, Eleanor's eating Chinese takeout. Uh, I don't know if this was this the bottom right is Michael and Janet. They have so many holiday decorations. Just in this shot, we see a snowman, Nora. They're wearing Santa hats. Uh, Michael's clapping. They think about something that's happening. Uh, here's a reminder for me to look up St. John's University, which I did. Uh, then we see whatever room they're using, this multi-purpose room. I think maybe Simone's multi-purpose room. Or maybe Chidi's. Uh, uh, there's a decoration. It's a blue snowflake, like kind of blue, like LED blue. Uh, pine tree, not a Christmas tree, but a pine tree with lights on it. There's some silver garland. There's some gold garland. Uh, there's also like a chain of paper links you can make as a kid. Uh, I don't know if the the team made them or the uh, kids made them. Yeah, Jason talks about the zone of time and clock land. Uh, 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 Tahani talks about Giselle. And Eleanor says, we got it. We always get it. Uh, and she says, well, why would you want to watch football with Jason? And Tahani explains why. And I said, hubba, hubba. Uh, more uh, and decorations, uh, light up plastic Santa, one of those old school light up plastic Santas. Uh, there's candy canes of all varieties, even light up ones like this plastic Santa. There's bell and ribbon lights. Uh, there's newspapers on the racks, but even that has lights on it. There's paper or, or ornaments, even like those fold out, uh, 
something you unfold and becomes like a, an organ, like a like a like accordion accordion ornaments. Uh, they kind of fold out. Uh, lots of socks. What, I couldn't remember stocking. I put lots of socks on the walls, but those are stockings. Uh, there's even like these like uh, fringe ribbons on the desk. Uh, poinsettias. And then a wall with post-its. I don't think, I think it was out of focus. Uh, then we see Tahani. She's at a bar reading. Uh, and I don't know what book she was reading because they didn't show the cover. Uh, but then uh, we, we meet uh, one of the uh, Hemsworths. Uh, I always thought it was a Helmsworth. I really learned about a lot about the Hemsworths this episode. We'll talk about it later. And really, a lot of things I didn't realize and things I didn't know. Like, I'll just tell you. So Miley Cyrus is famous for going out. I thought she was dating. This is how little I knew. I'm not doing jokes. Uh, I thought she was, I always thought she was dating uh, on an offer with uh, Thor, Chris Hemsworth. I want to say Helmsworth, though, but it isn't. And... Uh, but she was with Liam. She's with. She's been in relationships with Liam Hemsworth. So every time I pictured them, when people were pro that is a happy couple, I was like, uh, I always pictured her and Thor. And maybe once when I saw a paparazzi shot, and I said, "Oh, well, that's just Thor without the long hair." Turns out I was totally wrong. My world has been, uh, you know, it was like a wrecking ball came in that information came in like that uh but we talk about the, the this is at the larry hemsworth uh he has older sibling or sibling success issues uh eleanor we see her reading the republic of plato uh, i don't know if this was a series of shots and we see jason oh no J- this is another quiet, wonderful jason moment in his jags gear uh, and it's also just good to watch even just the levels of acting because Simone and Chidi are in the background. Uh, there also may have been a Descartes ruler on the wall for decoration. Uh, back in uh, the uh, observation station with uh, Michael and Janet, there's uh, real candy canes near the computer. They had, even had a gingerbread house. Uh, there's my note to look up the Hemsworths. Uh, we see another series of shots. Eleanor singing happy birthday and holding a cake. Uh, we see uh, Chidi smiling. We see uh, Tahani reading uh, Kierkegaard's The Present Age. We see Larry uh, Hemsworth using a highlighter on a book, You're Not So Bad, which I couldn't locate that exists. And then Jason's reading a book about the big farm. And again, man, this is really layered episode. Uh, another payoff in that scene. But I was so distracted by the payoff, I don't know what book it was other than big farm. Uh, let's see. We see Eleanor's happy super bard activate 832. Oh, super board. Uh, Chidi says, Superboard activate. It was already 8.32 a.m. Everyone looked very awake. Uh, it was 24 degrees Celsius. Uh, lunch was Vegemite and milk. Uh, schedule for the day was a review Kant essay, compare and contrast Jacques Lacan with Jacques Lacan, and then review papers. Okay, we also have this big chalkboard. This is a lot of coverage here in uh, the office. Uh, 
uh, in the observation station. One, so I didn't get everything, uh, but it's describing, it's kind of like they're, because they're working with the materials they have on Earth, uh, Janet and Michael. So it says, take sparking spots, flips, flips off every anybody, did not lift to shops for six weeks and two days, holds doors for strangers, hides in bathroom to avoid people, L-I-E-S to friends and loved one, believes in kindness, discuss or digress or something, disguises, I don't know if that says, could devolve, could couldn't decide, helped others be kind and nice. This is about cheating. Forgets commitments, decides to something. I guess this is to honey. Midday drinks, bad judgment, uh, can be chronically lazy. Maybe not. Uh, come, not always to the answer. Something uh, great. GTA, I guess it is, Jason. Uh, uh, you know, taking things, wakes before noon. Also, see, I think this is on the board. Blake Bartle, Bortles is number five. Oh, no, Blake Bartles. Uh, another funny thing. Number five. Uh, uh, this is uh, purchases from uh, gray market vendors, uh, constant positive affirmations, charity for others. Uh, two squared uh, plus seven to the E uh, equals 0. 0.0005. A. To lower capital A to the lowercase i k to lowercase i k a squared uh, vanity forgiveness generosity uh, then we see a big ring on Tahani. I never looked this up. I said how much does a carrot weigh? But I didn't see that. Uh, uh, duty is that what that says? A party? Oh, the party. The Airbnb H E I R B N B. Everybody meets Larry. Bon voyage. Uh, Really worth it. I mean, I guess see this episode. Uh, Jason's question, did Miley write Wrecking Ball about Chris's brother, Liam? So that would even confuse me more. Because the first two or three times I watched this episode, I said, uh, oh, is Liam not a fan of Chris and Miley being together? Uh, but I guess it's like that Chris is the most famous, so it's Chris's brother. And Larry's not, you know. Uh, Eleanor was in uh, Pink... Long sleeve shirt with a star that kind of looked like the streaking star from Now You Know, which is NBC property. Uh, Michael and Janet are in the wine cellar, and White Tux is kind of undercover uh, caterers. Uh, Nathaniel Cookswell, caterer to the stars. Vegemite canapes are being served. They're moving to England. Oh, Michael says that, and he stands on his toes when he's talking to. Uh, uh, Larry trying to talk him out of it. They talk about Sydney. Can't wait to move. Larry says. Uh, then they're like, uh, well, "What are we? How are we going to replace Tahani?" That's what Eleanor says. Uh, maybe Marco Robbie. And uh, Chidi says, "Well, it's time to sh- take stock of the study." And she says, "What do you mean? Study's over? Are we splitting up?" No, we're just taking a break. Uh, so Eleanor is a little bit sad. Michael's frustrated. Uh, I'll deal with, oh, then they say, what are we going to do? And uh, Janice says, I'll deal with sweet cheeks. I mean, Jason's butt. I mean, uh, Jason. Uh, Eleanor has a care of wine. Ship always start over. 
Oh, shrimp, uh, Michael says. She says, always. Uh, and he says, what, is your study over? And he says, if study means a lot to you, but it means a lot to everyone else, too. Uh, also offered her con- con- cocktail sauce. Uh, we see Tahani has this cake of a picture of the team. I think taken at the beginning of this episode or last episode. It's of the brainy bunch uh, eating cupcakes. Oh, so it was this episode. Eleanor says, yeah, that's all she She tries to make a positive speech. It doesn't go well. So she says, cool, I didn't need you anyway. Uh, uh, take the me. Uh, sorry. And then she t- take oh she takes her cake she scoops herself out of the cake uh, and then she says it does something about a deed the deed is done pip pip too late in this English accent and good day my liege uh, jolly good Saint Plupington's day to you uh, then we cut to Eleanor or Simone sees uh, Eleanor eating her cake and hiding behind a tree. And Simone plays the role of a truth teller, but in a really, I mean, this is a really powerful scene for me. If, if you really, uh, especially once you watch it like uh, the fifth or sixth time, because you really see this exchange of equals. Uh, and it's like uh, they're, they're both matured. Like Simone is telling the truth, but also uh, giving Eleanor a couple, throwing some shade, burning Eleanor because she's not happy about it. Uh, so she's not glossing or sugarcoating the truth, uh, but she's doing it as a true friend, I think. Uh, and Eleanor can actually handle the criticism and, and the true emotion of uh, Simone, which I, I mean, I would have folded like a, a house of cards. Uh, but Eleanor says, sweet burn. Uh, she also wipes her hands on a leaf or solid burn, she says. And, and Simone, she says, well, what do you think it is? Uh, and Simone kind of says, well, there's the once we were me versus us, uh, everybody, you know, she goes to bootstrapping and just making it on your own. It, then we started sharing resources. And then it became kind of a current struggle. We have uh, us versus them. Uh, can we treat all other groups as equals? Uh, and she kind of said, uh, like, kind of like Steve Austin fans versus the Rock fans. And Eleanor's a Steve Austin fan. And she says, Eleanor, it seems like you're still in the me versus us stage. Uh, this is your first group that it folded into your self-identity. And Eleanor says, well, me needs to go apologize to us. Uh, and they have a big hug. Uh, and it's nice. Uh, Eleanor tries to give a true apology. Point is, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I don't give apologies, but I am. I'm going to miss you guys. And they say the same thing, and they say, well, let's have a reunion. And they say, well, maybe in Jacksonville or, at, you know, wherever Tahani's, you know, helicopter yachts are. And Michael, uh, Michael Wilder scenes, uh, uh, something, but it, uh, she, she, she says, uh, he says, time to, to park the snowplow. I think maybe Janet says that to him. Oh, yeah, he's getting these wild uh, schemes. Uh, and uh, Janet tells him the truth. Time to park the snowplow. Let's push reset on this. And Michael goes, that's a great idea. We'll push reset. And Janet says, you don't even know how to do that. Uh, Michael says, I'll figure it out. Again, it goes to these people are the most important uh, uh, no more waiting. This is all we have. We have to try. Uh, and then he says, so let's go. Uh, 
And they hit the button, and then it cuts to the portal opens, but our crew is there, the Brainy Bunch, and they say WTF. Uh, and I said, what a cliffhanger. Great one, though. It says, uh, can't wait for next week. Is they kind of sit there and say, oh, yeah, I wonder what, 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 what's up with that portal to another world. Okay, so a lot of interesting stuff came up here in this episode. And let's take a look at uh, look at all of it. Uh, let's see. The first thing was as uh, prefrontal medial cortex. What was it? Uh, let's see. This is from the Journal of Neuroscience. It looks like it's loading. Yeah, the Journal of Neuroscience. Uh, and this is just a little uh, bit. I guess it's an article uh, from... Uh, the 17th of June, 2009, the role of ventral, the ventral medial prefrontal, prefrontal cortex in social decision-making. Uh, and uh, convergent evidence has revealed that the vent, ventromedial prefrontal cortex uh, is important for social decision-making. However, its exact function is still under debate. Uh, yeah, people are studying it, uh, in, uh, like uh, studying people is one way to learn about the role uh, and uh, how, if it's not working right, how does that affect uh, things? Uh, and, uh, you know, what if it's not easy for people to make value-based decisions? Uh, and the set of studies, some studies cover that. Uh, some studies cover people uh, that don't worry about future stuff or are primarily guided by intermediate gains. Uh, and uh, they say, okay, some people, a uh, range of people on social tasks, moral judgment, economic gains, uh, uh, irrationality or lack of emotional reactions. Uh, and uh, I would rather suggest, uh, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, in the recent article, in the recent article of the Journal of Neuroscience, uh, the authors employ a model-based approach using three different economic gains. Uh, the dictator, so this could be coming up in the season. The dictator game, ultimatum game, and the trust game. Uh, in each game, there's a one who. So, so it's just interesting. I'll link to it uh, uh, to check out. A very, you know, article beyond me. An article a little bit beyond me. You know, it's a little bit easier for me to read. It's Wikipedia. <laughs> And this is about the Jacksonville Jaguars, an American professional football franchise in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they're in the NFL and the AFC South Division, and they play their games at a TIAA Bank Field. Uh, they joined with Carolina Panthers in, in as expansion teams for the 1995 season. Uh, they won division championships in 1998 and 1999 as members of the now-defunct AFC Central. Ian is 2017 as members of the AFC South and have qualified for a playoff seven times, uh, most recently in 2017 after a 10-season drought. Uh, from their reception to 2011, they were owned by Wayne Weaver. Uh, let's see. In 1989, 1989, a group uh, of touchdown Jacksonville was kind of trying to get uh, people to bring the thing uh, let's see, 94, uh, they had uh, Tom Coughlin as a coach of the Jaguars. Uh, 
Let's get to the, you know, let's get to this. I think we'll talk about Blake Bortles, but this has a lot of history. Wow. Uh, uh, then they had Jack Del Rio. Oh, yeah, we'll just talk about this year because that's when the um, present uh, high point, uh, uh, 2013, they were 4 and 12. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, but let's see. In 2014, the Jaguars selected Blake Bortles from the University of Central Florida and Marquise Lee from uh, University of Southern California. And uh, so then, uh, let's see, 2017, with plenty of cap space to work with, Jacksonville splurged in uh, free agency, adding uh, a defensive tackle Malik Jackson from Denver Broncos, uh, like a lot of new players, uh, uh, top 10 talents. Uh, they fell in the second round. Oh, no, in 26 October, they beat the Colts in an international game. Yeah, but then their coach lost. They lost nine games in a row. Uh, in 2017, they said uh, interim coach Doug Marone, who coached Syracuse University, I think, uh, was going to be the new head coach. Uh, and uh, see, Tom Coughlin was going to be like some executive. They let's see here. They went on uh, week fifteen. They beat the Texans. They clinched their first playoff appearance. Uh, uh, they beat the Buffalo Bills in their first playoff win. Then they beat the Steelers uh, in Heinz Field. And uh, then they lost uh, to the Patriots. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, let's see. They, they like, uh, let's see, their logos, a silver helmet, uh, teal, gold, and silver with black accents are their colors, gold leaping jaguar. Uh, one of the... Yeah, their main uh, sponsor says that looks like too much. That's not our logo. That looks like a logo of one of our competitors. Uh, and uh, let's see, they figured that out. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit about him. There's a great episode of uh, 99PI about uh, sports uniforms. I, I think it's mostly about NBA uniforms, but you should check that out. What about St. John's College? Because I never did look it up. Uh, it's uh, St. John's College at the University of Sydney uh, or the College of St. John's the Evangelist, a uh, residential college within the University of Sydney. Established in 1857, it's the oldest Roman Catholic and second oldest uh, university college in Australia. It's a co-educational community of 250 undergraduate and postgraduate students. Uh, so people will probably know Chidi uh, pretty well there. It's a nice, uh, small school. Uh, it was established as a Benedictine foundation by Archbishop Polding, who had formerly been an English Benedictine month at uh, Downside Abbey. And the Benedi- English Benedictines were prominent in raising public support for the founding of St. John's. Uh, yeah, let's see, the carved Gothic-style reliquary box in the chapel. Oh, okay, that's interesting. This is a little bit about it. Uh, architecture, oh, here it is. Uh, 
in February 1859, William Wilkinson Wardell, the architect of St. Mary's Cathedral in Sydney and St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne, was appointed the architect of St. John's College. Uh, let's see, working from, for, from his designs from Melbourne, he grew up uh, general plans and sent them sandstone three-story Gothic revival building on an H-shaped plan. So a little bit about the, you, you link through that's on Wikipedia too. Also in New York city, I did not study here, but I thought about it. Uh, is uh, St. John's, uh, university is a, a Roman Catholic research university in uh, New York city, uh, founded by the congregation of the mission in 1870. It's in, uh, uh, Brooklyn, uh, oh no, it was found, originally located in Brooklyn and then it was relocated to Queens. It also has campuses in Staten Island, Manhattan, and Rome, Italy, and a graduate center on Long Island. Five undergraduate schools, six graduate schools. In 2016, it had 16,000 undergraduate and 4,600 graduate students. Offers more than 100 uh, programs and certificates. Uh, uh, they're, uh, the St. John's Vicentian fathers are the ones that founded that one based on the works of St. Vincent de Paul, who's a patron saint of Christian charity. Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, and they were also in the big East, which was uh, like, uh, Luke Arnasek was their coach. So when I was growing up watching basketball, they were a big, uh, competitor. Okay, let's look up stuff about uh, a birth order because I don't know if Larry uh, Hemsworth was the oldest or the youngest or middle child, uh, but this is over at psychologies.co.uk from 2012. Uh, he talks about the birth order effect, uh, whether your first, middle, or youngest child is outside of your control, uh, but, but can it, it does it? Yes, it does play a, a significant part in uh, uh, your formulation. Uh, surely these things aren't set before we get started or are they, you know, this is like a little bit of a, uh, this is written, it's said by the team, but it looks like it's written by one person, uh, because, uh, they already had two daughters of uh, five and six, and they're about to add a third baby to the mix. Uh, uh, let's see. The importance of birth order was first set out by Austrian psychologist, Alfred Elder, uh, Michael Gross, uh, an Alderian-trained uh, parenting expert and author, author, uh, author of Why Firstborns Rule the World and Lastborns Want to Change. It explains the basics. Uh, hey, Darwin, you know, this is a paraphrase because, uh, hey, Darwin had it going, uh, you know, from when we start, uh, you know, we're trying to do that thing, uh, whether it's love or food or affection. Uh, and... Uh, so, firstborn historically uh, are uh, more likely to produce, reproduce as adults, have be a little bit tougher. Uh, they're their parents' blue chip security, whose birth is most eagerly anticipated. And don't let any of this you know, get to you, it's just a, a talk. Uh, typical firstborns are approval. I'm the firstborn, by the way, uh, approval seekers. Uh, They've been showered with attention. I, I just want to, I don't let, like, uh, well, I, I, I'm not like this. Uh, I'm not, though. I say, I want to be, uh, 
Educational achievement was highest in the firstborns, not in my case. It diminished further down. Uh, and I, my, all my siblings, I mean, it's just true. All my siblings did better than me. I was not a good student. And I'm kind of an average uh, intellect uh, compared to my siblings, who a lot of them are very intellectual. Uh, you know, I'm more of a, I, you know, I have my positive qualities, don't worry. World leaders are, a lot of them are firstborn children. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they can be not happy about their siblings, middle. Uh, you know, they're kind of stuck in the middle, as they say, but they tend to be more relaxed, uh, is a typical case. Uh, affability comes at a price, uh, you know, because they might not have the same competitive drive. Uh, this is just a basic summary, you know. The youngest, uh, they're likely to question the order of things and develop a revolutionary personality. Uh, is like uh, They're the babies of the family and may grow up uh, expecting others to take responsibility. They are not life's volunteers. It says gross. Uh, they're more likely to put others in service. Uh, and then they admit, oh, well, this could be a bit you know, different than what we expect. Uh, but here's some famous uh, people. Uh, both uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton are first. Uh, George W. Uh, Kylie Minogue, most importantly, is the first born. She knows uh, Tahani. Only children, Churchill, Roosevelt, uh, Sartre, uh, Sinatra, Bacharach. Interesting range of people they selected. Uh, middle children, many middle children work in retail sales, fashion, and advertising, or caring professions. Stella McCartney, Michelle Pfeiffer, Kate Blanchett, Emily Bronte, Princess Di. Uh, last children, rebels, Joan of Arc, Gandhi. This is, holy cow, Darwin and Chaplin and also Hugh Grant. So that's a little bit about birth order. We'll find out about these Hemsworth's birth order right now as we go to BuzzFeed to start uh, uh, with the 24 facts you never knew about the Hemsworth brothers. Now, this was written in 2014, so not all of it's up to date. Because uh, this says there's a third Hemsworth brother, uh, which we know now because he, he Luke's on Westworld. Uh, he, at the time, he was he's the oldest. Uh, then Chris, then Liam, Larry, somewhere in there. Uh, despite being the least recognizable Hemsworth brother, Luke was the first to get into acting. Typical, his brother stole the thunder. So handsome. I mean, I'm a Chris, Chris. I think Chris is my favorite. Uh, no offense to others, but he said, "Yeah, I don't know." And then he started a flooring business, which his younger brothers worked for before their acting crews took off. Uh, Chris moved to the USA first to pursue acting. Then Liam, uh, Luke never did give up on acting, and then he was uh, on recurring roles on TV shows. Uh, and as we know, then he was on. Uh, other shows. Uh, they were all born in Melbourne, Victoria, but they also lived in the outback in the Northern Territory before settling on Phillip Island. Uh, Chris used his bush upbringing as an inspiration for his role in Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, they, they had a lot of fun as kids, uh, uh, playing with each other. Uh, yeah, and they had other things when they were kids. Uh, 
A lot of competition, except when it comes to roles. They try to support each other in their careers as much as possible. Uh, still, Liam and Chris were both up for the part of Thor. Uh, Chris didn't get a call back after his audition. Liam made it to the final four, and then in the end, Chris snagged the role. Uh, when Chris's first baby, India Rose, was do- born, uh, Luke, who has four kids, uh, made a video teaching him how to bundle up a baby properly. All three have been on the Aussie soap opera Neighbors, but not at the same time. Uh, Liam was in 25 episodes, Chris in one, Luke in 13. Uh, they also appeared in two other TV shows. Uh, uh, oh, Luke and Liam did. Uh, the Elephant Princess. Uh, both of those two were also in the TV show Satisfaction. Chris and Luke were guest stars on The Saddle Club. Uh, Liam was in one episode of Home and Away, uh, the show that made Chris uh, famous in Australia. Uh, uh, Chris's TV career was definitely uh, when he was on Dancing with the Stars in 2006. Really, I didn't know any of this. Uh, oh, Liam was in a, uh, a music video for the Zach Brown Band. Liam's also loves squirrels. And Liam's, their, their mom, uh, was the, the health teacher at the school, which could have been awkward. Yeah, but who is, okay, let's run through these Liam, Chris, and I guess I don't need to as much because you probably know. I just didn't know. I mean, I knew Liam, I guess I was like, oh, that was the dude in Hunger Games. So, so that's why I repressed him because I was jealous of that role. I guess because I always more identified with Prita. Or PETA, or whatever. Sorry, it's been a while. Uh, and I said, that guy's a threat to our, you know, uh, me and PETA. Like, uh, and then uh, then PETA, I said, then everybody said, PETA's so cute. And I said, well, now what am I going to do without PETA and the, the other guy that's uh, super smooth, uh, played by Luke Hemsworth? Oh, no, Liam's, excuse me. So that's what I know about Liam. Uh, but I think we kind of covered it. Uh, he's been in a lot of movies, very successful. Uh, as far as I know, great. Uh, I mean, super uh, handsome. Oh, he played Gale, was the uh, character in The Hunger Games. Uh, Empire State with Emma Roberts. Uh, let's see. All, yeah, all the Hunger Games movies. Uh, oh, but yeah, he was the one who was in personal life. Uh, Let's get it like, uh, no, he's a very talented person, but yeah, he's the one that's been in dated, uh, um, uh, Miley, Miley, Miley Cyrus, uh, don't worry, we'll get to lyrics, we'll get to wrecking ball here. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, and I don't know why I always think it's Helmsworth. So Chris, we, we've seen him in a lot of things. Uh, uh Thor, he really did in the last, uh, uh, movie Avengers movie. He was really good at the offering uh, humor. He was in the Dustbusters reboot. Uh, uh, yeah, so he like he's had a pretty good career. Uh, he also played Kirk's father in Star Trek. Uh, George Kirk. Uh, yeah, he's been he's he's uh, he's had quite a career. Uh, he has uh, three children, which. Uh, and he moved from Los Angeles to back to Byron Bay, Australia, because he's so successful. He says he doesn't have to be there. Looks like he's in the next MIB movie. 
Um, so really successful. And then this did happen to me on the first season of Westworld. I said, who is this, uh, this is like uh, this character. I, I had to look it up on IMDb. Uh, Ashley Stubbs, uh, and it, and I surprised myself. I said, "Well, that's a Hemsworth," because well, he was just a very uh, I don't know. It was an interesting character, and then it was just a very macho, I would say, uh, portrayal. And that ends up with Luke, uh, who who uh, is the. Uh, the, the, the big brother of the family. It seems like he has that role. I thought I had Wrecking Ball on here. Maybe it comes up later because next comes up as a book uh, from Wikipedia, Present Age, uh, which is a philosophy concept of Kierkegaard uh, and uh, a formulation of the modern age can be formulated in Kierkegaard's work, uh, Two Ages, a Literary Review. Our age is essentially one of understanding and reflection without passion, momentarily bursting in enthusiasm, and truly relapsing into repose. There is no more action or decision in our day. There is no more action or decision in our day than there is perilous delight in swimming in the shallow waters. Kierkegaard argues the present age drains all meaning out of ethical concepts through passionless indolence. Uh, Concepts are still used but are drained of all meaning or virtue of their detachment from a life view which is passed and generated and produces consistent action. This was published in 1846, and it goes after the press and the public. Uh, uh, he is against abstract moments in time or public opinion as a basis for forming relationships, uh, Newspapers were mediating information and individuals were joining together based on this mediating influence. Uh, same thing is happening now on the Internet. Uh, Kierkegaard advised that real people retain a concrete identity in the face of abstract public opinion. So it's pretty interesting. You can read more about it. I'll link to that. Uh, uh, what about Jacques Lacan? Uh, uh, L-A-C-A-N, uh, 1901 to 1981. So this is not that long ago. A French psychoanalyst and psychiatrist who has been called uh, the most controversial psychoanalyst since Freud. Uh, influenced many leading French intellectuals in the 60s and 70s, especially those uh, associated with post-structuralism. So let's get to the juicy stuff here. Uh, so he's got his history, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, major concepts. Uh, this is pretty dense. I was trying to find something. Uh, three orders, the imaginary, the symbolic, and the real. Talks about desire, drive, uh, error and knowledge, uh, uh, variable length sessions, uh, Let's just read about the relationship with Freud here. Uh, major concepts. Return to Freud. Lacan's return to Freud emphasizes a renewed attention on the original text of Floyd. Freud. Oh, so not Floyd. Oh, boy. Uh, including a radical critique of ego psychology. Whereas Lacan's quarrel with object relations as psychoanalysts it was a more muted affair, he attempted to restore the notion of object relation. The capital experience that legitimately belongs to it. 
uh, building upon what he termed the hesitant but controlled work of Madeline Klein. Though through her, we know the function of the imaginary primordial enclosure formed by the imago of the mother's body, as well as the notion of the transitional object uh, introduced by Winnicott. Uh, the key point for the explanation, oh boy, and uh, uh, question psychoanalytic developments between the 30s and the 70s, uh, focus on child's early relation, pre oedipal or Kleinian uh, Rereading a form, uh, rereading Freud, it says Freud supplies the only valid model. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really know anything about it, but uh, interesting, interesting. You know what's more interesting to me is not trying not to sing when I say Shaka Khan. Uh, born Yvette Marie Stevens, American recording artist whose success has spanned five decades. I would bump that up to seven. I mean, uh, seven probably. Uh, Known as the Queen of Funk, first R&B artist to have a crossover hit featuring a rapper with I Feel For You in 84. Won 10 Grammys, 70 million records worldwide. And uh, she's, like, recorded with everybody. I mean, holy mackerel. uh, Rufus... uh, uh, solo, you know, when solo, uh, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Stevie Wonder, uh, she's in Steve Winwood, Addicted to Love, uh, I think, uh, oh no, she wasn't in Addicted to Love, uh, but, uh, really just, I mean, one of the greats, uh, without a doubt. And now, philo- philosoph- phil- phil- philosophically, I'm not sure, uh, so I don't know. What, I would love to go to a talk with Chidi about uh, the difference between Shaka Khan and Jacques Lacan. Uh, okay, quick, let's just talk about Blake Bortles, uh, quarterback for the Jaguars, born 1992, went to Central Florida, third pick overall in the 2014 draft, uh, uh, originally from Florida, great college career, looks like. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's had his downs. Uh, but in 2017, they picked up the fifth-year option on Bortles' contract. Jason loves him. And he's named the starting quarterback to begin the 2017 uh, season, even though he's in a competition with another quarterback. And uh, he's had some good weeks. He's had some great weeks. But they finished 10-6, and six, uh, third seed in the 2017 playoffs. Uh and this winter, Bortles signed a three-year, $54 million contract to stay with the Jaguars through 2020. Uh, so, uh, you know, Blake Bortles, Jason loves him, so we probably could too. Okay, let's take a look at PapaDust.com because they let's finish this off with a little bit of a Miley. Uh, this is from 8-30-13, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball Lyrics. Is it about Liam? And uh, this is written by Pop Dust. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, uh, like this was uh, when this was in 2014. So Milo's in a different place. Uh, uh, oh, this is right when it came out. Wrecking Ball. It's pretty good, they say, or at least a welcome palate cleanser. I like it. Uh, I just to listen to it as soon as I'm done recording. Uh, but speaking of uh, Liam, uh, what's with the on on again, off again thing? Uh, well, the song's definitely maybe about him. Let's break it down. 
we, we, our hearts in vain. We jumped, never asking why. They said, oh, this is a little bit like the Lion King. Uh, uh, we kissed. I fell under your spell. Love no one could deny. Uh, so I said, okay, the first kiss. Uh, uh, did you ever say I just walked away? I will always l- l- want you. You can't live a lie. Running for my life, I will always want you. What happened? We were just kissing, and now uh, we're not kissing anymore. Uh, but now she's trying to beat the ticking clock of fading love and win him back. Uh, it came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. All I wanted was to break your walls. All you ever did was break me. Yeah, you wreck you wreck me. Uh, you know what? Uh, this doesn't look like it. The more uh, Miley chipped away, the more vulnerable she became. It's a really beautiful image. Uh, I put you high in the sky, and now you're not coming down. It slowly turned. You let me burn, and now we're ashes on the ground. Uh, now Papta says, okay, it's getting super emo. Uh, she built him up, made him feel top of the world, and he didn't return the favor. Uh, then it repeats like, as a wrecking ball thing. Yeah, it just closed my eyes, uh, left me crouching in a blazing fall. Uh, Miley heightens the core visual. Her emotions for him are pure and new. Uh, I never meant to start uh, WAR. I never just wanted you to let me in. Instead of using force, uh, I should have just let, led you in. Uh, Miley clearly took a moment before this verse uh, to step into uh, Liam's shoes. Uh, it wasn't me. I didn't mean to. Uh, maybe lead you into my heart. Uh, uh, maybe she'll be keep going up. But then she goes, yeah, you, you know, then we go back to the chorus. Uh, goes back uh, through the rest of the chorus. Uh, and just a classic pop hit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything really. I, I really enjoy good pop music. And especially listening with my daughter. So, uh, and Miley has a lot of good pop uh, songs. So, so uh Let's close it out, though, with Vegemite, uh, just to, <laughs> to close it out, uh, more dull notes. Uh, it's a thick uh, Australian food spread made from leftover brewer's yeast extract uh, with various spice and vegetable additives. Uh, it was developed by Cyril Percy Callister in Melbourne, Victoria, in 1922. Uh, it's been acquired a few times. Uh, it's a spread for sandwiches, toast, crumpet, and crasker, cracker biscuits, as well as a filling for pastries. Similar to Marmite. Uh, uh, slightly bitter, malty, rich in glutamates, uh, giving it an umami, umami flavor, similar to beef bouillon. And uh, it was following the disruption of imports of Marmite after WW1. Uh, that uh, Calister's employer said, "Hey, F- F- Fred Walker and company, uh, get it. You know, this brewery's got the yeast are getting rid of. Make something out of it already." And so he did that. Uh, and the name of Vegemite was selected out of a hat by his daughter, uh, uh, by Fred Walker's daughter. Uh, so yeah, let's see consumption. Uh, you know, oh, okay, we we went over that. Uh, yeah, let's see. Is it kosher? Uh, 
craft contract contracted uh uh it, in 2010 it did uh it get it, it get a kosher certification but after some uh where people said eh, i don't like that uh it's rich in b vitamins uh um it's uh, primary ingredients yeast extra extract um and yeah, it's uh, it was originally promoted as a healthy food for children, uh, and uh, yes, yeah, you know it was uh, you know it was during that time of the WWs. I mean, I, I think I've tried it, but it's been a while, so I have to try it. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, thanks uh, so much, and uh, good night. All right, I want to thank everybody over on uh, YouTube, uh, Fanny, uh, Tim, I am love. Thanks, 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 and good night, uh, Cameron, uh, Miley, AG. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night, uh, Ninja, uh, CG, JS, and uh, Sheridan. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ashley, Jess, and Prometheus. Thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Dave uh, Feisty and uh, Khaleesi. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Heather uh, Highlander in Texas. Uh, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, uh, Kellen uh, and Mari and uh, wasn't. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, I'm not, uh, Rania, Locke, uh, and Jay. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Sunday, Tad, and, uh, Kuki. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jay, Autumn, and Pat. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nay, uh, Heather, and Dogs. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, going, Clary, and Conquer. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Locke, uh, Carl, uh, and uh, first, uh, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, K, La, uh, K, C, Steel, and it's, uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Fully, Yiru, and Uni, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Jude's, uh, be be, be superior. Uh, Noah, thanks, thanks, and good night. Kitty, essential, and Taya, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nima, Haley, and Yellow, thanks, thanks, and good night. G Blake, it uh, uh, Mar, and uh, Megan, thanks, 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 and good night. Molly, Peggy, and Volley, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Noah Patchouli and uh, DP, thanks. Uh, Sherlock, uh, uh, Crispy, and uh, Laura, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Thanks, everybody, uh, for uh, commenting on the YouTube. I'm be- definitely behind on the YouTube comments, uh, but thanks for all the commenting over there, uh, and good night.